I started out last, um, last week, you know, talking about the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about in Romans 8, 20, uh, 28, where it says that all things work together to the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. All things work together to the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And I've always had that, that attitude of questioning. I want to know. You know, I wasn't raised in, in church, so I didn't have any background. I didn't have any denominational um, uh, benefits or hindrances either way, you know what I'm saying? And so I came to God, you know, as an adult and started looking at the scripture and asking questions. And did you know it's okay to ask questions? Say, God, I don't, I don't quite understand this. And I shared with you last week, I do believe and I know that the word of God, the word of God is perfect and it's true. It's my understanding that is not. And so many times you'll read scriptures, you're not sure uh, that you understand that because when it says all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, I've had experiences in my life that it didn't look so good. How many of y'all have had that? Okay, you go through and, and you, you go through adversity and you think, Lord, I thought it was going to all work out to my good. Why has this happened? Why has that happened? You know, and when I begin to ask questions then God, if you begin to ask God, just commune with him and talk with him, he'll begin to take you to the answers. If you just have ears to hear. And that's when he took me to second Peter and we'll be covering some more of that tonight. But the thing of it is, is that God wants to reach you. He, he wants things to work out in your life. And in the process of him working everything to your good, then there's things in our life that, have, that there has to be change happen in our life for that to happen. So God wants to work everything to your good, but you got to be willing for him to work some change into your life. Right? And so in that process, if things, you know, are going to work for us good, they need to, there's some work that's got to be done in us. So we've got to be able to change ourselves. And give God something to work with. Amen. Oh, that was quiet. Okay. You got to give God something to work with. That's like your faith. You need to have faith. You got you to start believing God and give God something to work with. It's like that old joke that, you know, this woman wanted, Lord, I, I, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. It comes, it goes, it comes, and it goes. And Lord, how come I haven't won the, the lottery? And the Lord finally tells us, listen, work with me, lady, and buy a ticket. So I, I don't know if you get into the lottery stuff, but that's just an example, okay? So you're wanting God to change, do things on, in your life, but you don't want to connect and get involved and yield to some change, right? So we've got to be able to do that. And so listen, I want to take you to Exodus, the sixth chapter, and, and share a couple of verses here. This at one point was a really, it was like part of the theme of our ministry of the church, and, and if you've gone through, like I have, and, you know, when you look at the political realm, when you look at the political realm, when it comes around and, and uh, people get put into office that you just are shocked that they're put into office, and then you hear the things about how many Christians voted for that person, <laughs> you know, whoever that might be. Okay, I'm not telling you how to vote tonight. I will tomorrow if you want to, you, you know, but... <laughs> You, you really think, how could someone support a platform that takes the lives of babies? How could you support a platform that does this or does that that's in violation of God's Word? How could you claim and, uh, to be a Christian and not vote according to the Word of God? You all understand what I'm saying? Well, see, this Scripture really addresses that, I think. And, and, and then if you... Well, y'all understand what I'm saying there, right? 
Because I could drive it a little, how come you, you claim to be a Christian and you act like that? Okay, well, here in Exodus, when the Lord was talking to Moses, he was speaking in this passage uh, uh, toward the children of Israel who were in bondage and, and slavery. And he said this in verse 6. I'm going to bring out a few points here. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now, he addressed four things there in that passage of Scripture. He said, I will bring you out from under the burdens. Another translation, uh, maybe closer to the Hebrew, is I'll bring you out from under the yoke, a yoke of bondage. Uh, of the Egyptians, and I will rescue you. He said, I'm going to bring you out from under that yoke. I'm going to deliver you from that. And then I'm going to rescue you from their bondage. And then I'm going to redeem you. And then I'm going to take you as my people. Now, we saw this when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. They brought Egypt with them in their mindsets and their thinking and in their faith. And so it's like the four principles that we used to, to say as part of our thing was to know victory, the victory of salvation, find freedom from his promises, discover purpose through redemption, and then make a difference of, by who you are in Christ. So what I'm looking at, what I'm saying here is there's a lot of people that have been brought out from under the yoke of the bondage of death through salvation but yet they need to get that slavery mindset out of their mind, the worldly mindset out of their mind. You still have some of Egypt in you. How many of you got born again and you still acted like a heathen? <laughs> All right. That's a third of you. The rest of you are not awake yet. <laughs> I can remember I was born again. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I was speaking in tongues. I was a tongue-talking dude. <laughs> and then I got into an altercation and came home one day at my work. I felt justified. I got into something, and that, that guy <laughs> got home and, and expected my wife to agree with me that I had done the right thing. Didn't nobody treat me like that. You know what I'm saying? And the look on her face was what kind of monster you've heard me say this before what kind of monster have i married bless her heart and that made me look <laughs> do what what did so <laughs> you didn't see it but i saw it <laughs> isn't it fun to be a christian um, but see the, the truth of it was i needed a lot of work i needed a lot of work and I needed to get that slavery mindset, that worldly mindset out of my heart. And I needed to experience the redemptive strength and power and grace of God in my life. And then I could truly know him. Because let me tell you, even despite all the love of God, all of his kindness and all of his great love, there are so many of us that don't truly know God. See, Kathy grew up knowing God. She grew up going to church. She grew up walking with Him. 
And I remember as a young married couple, I remember her, a situation, uh, an adversity would come and she'd say, well, that's not God. And I'd say, well, how do you know that's not God? He loves me too much to do that. I thought, oh my word. See, she was walking it out. That's why I'm saying in this study, which I probably, I don't know how far I'm going to get with it, but you should be able to find yourself somewhere in these scriptures, somewhere in this walk of a level where you could be in this progression of what the, what the Word was telling us last week, a place where you'll never fall. If these things be in you, you'll never stumble or fall. You should be able to, maybe in one area you're at 100%, another area you're at 30. Are y'all following? Okay. So, you know, when I look at the apostles, and I think about the apostles, and I read about them, listen, I think, well, how were they walking? They were walking out their faith just like we have to walk out our faith. They had to discover the things of God just like we have to. They needed some change in their mindsets just like we need some change in our mindsets. See, that's the glory of our church. We have such a fabulous church. Many of the staff that you have, our lead pastor, Pastor Austin and Abby and Pastor Antoinette and all these different ones, they grew up together in the church. They have there a lot of their friends. Am I right there? I mean, a lot of you, you they're, they're serving today. They seem to be doing so well. And they didn't, haven't had to go back and fix a lot of stuff like you and I are having to fix. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> right? <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, let, let me, um, when I talk about the disciples, you know, I, I think that, you know, when they were seeking God, and Jesus shows up, they were probably thinking some of the same things that we're thinking. As I'll take you through a few scriptures, they were looking for a physical kingdom to show up. When they looked at, you know, uh, scripture from the past and from the times of old and prophecies, they were looking for the king to come in and establish a kingdom like all the other kingdoms they were seeing that were overriding all the other peoples and kingdoms like that and defeat them, right? So they were probably, even when uh, Jesus was talking about going away, they were asking the same question maybe you and I were asking, well, hey, if it's not going to be like we're thinking it's going to be, are we going to be able to, to view the kingdom? Are we going to be able to experience the, the kingdom rule of God in our lives and in our homes? Because they were looking for that kingdom to find a place of peace and refuge from all the, the warring and the peoples and the, all the challenges, even in the natural realm. But it goes so much deeper than that go so much deeper than that. And I ask those questions today. Can we see the kingdom today? Can we truly see what our heart yearns for and hopes for? Let me take you through two or three scriptures. Luke, the 10th chapter. And, and, I, and I, anyway, let me just read these. And heal the sick that are therein. So what Jesus did was sending out these 72 disciples and putting them on a little field trip, a little survival trip. You can't be taking all your, your money with you and your clothing. You can't take your luggage with you. You can't stay in the hotels, you know, without... You're going to have to mingle with people. He, he began to tell them what they could and couldn't take. But he gave them some instruction. He said, and heal the sick that are therein. I'm going to give you the authority and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. When you see these healings, the kingdom of God has come close to you. But into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be you sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. 
get grasp the impact of what he's saying there. We're dusting the very, we're wiping the dust off our feet. But let you, I'm going to let you know this one thing: you were that close to experiencing the kingdom. Wow. I don't want that to ever experience that, but I came so close to experiencing God. I want it all. I want to experience it all. Now, here, now listen. They did that. They went out. They preached the, the, the gospel, the kingdom. They healed the sick. They, they cast out demons and delivered people and raised the dead and all of those things that they did. If you can take out that healing aspect of if you're studying the word of God and you're asking questions, can we experience the kingdom? If you take out that healing part, the dynamics of that, the real dynamic of it is, is that they could experience the kingdom of God in somewhere else than just heaven. Y'all following that? That's the truth of it is that, hey, wait a minute. This is happening on earth. Luke eleven twenty. but if I, Jesus said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Wow. Luke 17. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. It's not going to be established in this region or that region or that country or all of those things. It's not going to come by observation. Neither shall you say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. So see, they were looking for that kingdom of refuge and peace that they could go and serve under a mighty king that would deliver them from the warring and the dangers and the swords and the, the enemies, the armies and all that. But he says, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom rule of God is on the inside of you. That means you can experience peace and safety on the inside of you where you live today with what you're doing today. Amen. Here's a general rule of thumb. Because I have been prosecuted, not persecuted, for saying the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. It's like, man, haven't y'all read your Bible? People have given me a hard time in some of the churches we attended. What? Listen, the kingdom of heaven is a place. Kingdom of heaven is a place. I'm going there one day. How about y'all? I'm going there. I have a mansion there. The Lord's prepared a place for me. It's going to be awesome. But the kingdom of God denotes ownership and rule. If you can think of it like that, the kingdom of God denotes ownership and rule. That means I might could experience that here and now in my walk. So see what God, the kingdom rule of God, where God rules, where Jesus rules as the head of the kingdom. What he's trying to do is get the rule of heaven into earth. And rule in the earth. Oh, praise God. We're the kingdom of God where he rules over flesh. Where he rules over the devil, over circumstances. He's trying to get his rule in your life over all of these things. Matthew 18. Let's go to Matthew 18. I, this is one of the scriptures I heard early on in a charismatic move. I began walking in, with the Lord in 75 or 76. And uh, I, I attended a charismatic church, and I would hear people get excited about certain scriptures, and boy, they, they sound good. But as I got to studying, I thought, boy, is that off? <laughs> What's up with that? That doesn't, you know. And here's this familiar scripture in, in the King James. Very last end to you, because back then all they did was write, read King James. 
I hear by the giggles, there's probably four or five of you who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Lord, I bind the calories out of this cake tonight in the name of Jesus. <laughs> or I, I loose this, and I, and I got to think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You bind this on earth, and it'll be bound in heaven. Loose this on earth, and it'll be loosed in heaven. How are you binding calories in heaven? How are you loosing, loosing weight loss in heaven? There's got to be more to this. You know what I'm saying? And, and it goes on to say, again, I say unto you as that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That is a promise of God. Now, so see, I started reading. I bought, I bought one of those big old thick uh, concordance things, and I bought a uh, Strong's concordance, and I started reading. You know, I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I could read the English in those books. That's the only thing they had back then. But then I got me an amplified version. I found out that some of these other translations dig a little deeper and speak in my lingo. So the amplified version of Matthew 18, 18, truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. It changes the dynamics of it completely. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Whatever you take authority over on the earth must be already what's in place in heaven. If God has given you the authority to take authority over the demons and devils of our lives, that is what is exercising your faith. Do y'all understand? When you start saying, wait a minute, you lying devil, get thee behind me. You lying devil, <laughs> I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over that fear and torment in the name of Jesus because Jesus gave me the authority. And you don't have that authority neither in heaven nor will you have it in this earth today right now. So whatever you declare as improper has no authority in your life must be what is already in place in heaven. How are you going to know that until you know what's in place? How will you take your authority and stand on faith if you don't know what's there that's yours? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I, I, it's not a senior moment. I'm just saying, Lord, there's something... Though it might be a senior moment, but <laughs> it's time you start taking authority over things. It's time you start engaging this scripture. It's, you know, if you're here last week, you know, you exercise your faith to develop virtue. Exercising your faith is declaring what is in place in heaven, the authority that Jesus has set at the right hand of God. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He has defeated the enemy, made a show of him openly, and he's given you the authority over the devil. He's made you more than a conqueror. You're blessed going out and blessed coming in as you serve the Lord. You're above and not beneath. Declare that in the earth because it's, it's actual in heaven. That, that authority in reality is yours. You are seated in heavenly places 
in Christ Jesus in heaven. So I am more than a conqueror. I'm a king's kid. That's what you need to be proclaiming. Amen. Oh, praise God. So what God is trying to do is override earth with heaven. Here's the question. What is coming out of your mouth? Have you put the recorder on lately and see what you've been saying? (laughs) I challenge you not to do that. (laughs) Might not be very good. Just ask your mate. They'll tell you. (laughs) That's why the Lord gave him to you. To help you out, girl. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, come on. Listen, what are you saying? It's good to evaluate your heart and your life. You know, and get these things out of your life. I'm talking about walking in the kingdom. Let's go to 2 Peter, the first chapter. Oh, my word. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give all diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, see, here's another thing that's so good about this scripture, is that we don't have to do the struggling of it all. We take the steps that God gives us to take, the very thing that we're implementing into our life, it creates life on the inside of us, in our walk. These things here, it's saying if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I shared with you last week that all these things, all the precious promises of God, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Father God. Oh, praise God. That it comes by knowing, it comes by revelation. And if you do these things, it's going to bring some revelation. It's going to bring some reality into your life. And they will create you to being a person that will neither fail, nor fall, or stumble. Oh, praise God. It'll just happen to you. Listen, how many of you played marbles when you were a kid? Okay. I, I played marbles. We played marbles. Can you remember the day or the hour that you quit playing marbles? I really don't. I don't know what happened to all my marbles. I lost them somewhere, and I don't know where they're at. I just don't know. I don't even know when I lost those marbles. <laughs> if you will just focus on doing the things that God lays out before you and start walking it out, you're going to look back in a certain amount of time, you're going to see that something's happened to you. Something has changed in your life. A maturity has come. Uh, an authority has, is working its way out in your life you're going to find that you're not the same person because those things that you implement, that you exercise, will develop something on the inside of you that will make you, that you're neither going to be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to know what the Word says because you're taking those steps to exercise those levels to grow. It's so practical, so easy that we miss it. Amen. And you've got to realize these two things as we start with this is that the bottom line is that God's Word is true. shared this with you last week. Bottom line is God's Word is true. You've got to settle that in your heart. No matter what you see, God's Word is true. It is above all. 
and that you're never going to progress or grow unless you do something with what you have right now. So you start right where you are. You're not going to have this authoritative foundation without these two things. It all starts with believing God. Amen? Amen. Exercise your faith to develop virtue. They are connected that so much so that as you exercise one, it develops the next level. It's like a prerequisite to it. The way that you add is you exercise the previous level. Faith. Faith. What, what is it about faith that is so vital, that is so important that we talk about it so much? And I could give you the scriptural definition that, that it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Go over to the Ephesians the 6 chapter. One thing about faith I want to show you that was so exciting to me when I found out what it, what it represented, what it meant. It talks about the armor of God, talks about putting on the armor of God. And it says, above all, in verse 16, take, taking the shield of faith with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The enemy is shooting at you, Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, how does that work? I do realize this, that it works better as a shield, not as a scalpel. You need to put your faith up begin with and start, you know, <laughs> putting those things out. It's harder to dig it out than it, once it's got in you than if you'd had your shield up. But there's something about this in the Greek, though. When I started looking and studying that and the Strong's definition of the word uh, faith, the shield of faith, it comes, it's a Greek, a primary word compares, compares to door, a portal, or an entrance, a door, or a gateway. Oh, my word. That shield of faith that you put up is like a doorway, a gateway into something else. Not just this solid thing that stands in front of the devil shooting at me. It's a gateway, a doorway into the supernatural. So what does that mean when I use it as a shield? I'm reaching into the spirit realm and drawing back into my realm what I need to succeed against what the devil is throwing at me. The truth and reality of God's word. I'm reaching into the supernatural and bringing it into the natural to make my, what is that saying? Make my natural super? <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to understand that faith is where you begin. And you need to exercise your faith. What is it that's being shot at you? What is it the devil is throwing at you? What is the answer to that in the spirit realm? What is the answer to that in God's word? What does his word give you for that? That's what you need to be putting up and putting out that fiery dart. Amen? It's a doorway into eternity in the spirit realm, supernatural. Matthew 18, 18. Again, truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on the earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. Already permitted in heaven is what you're speaking. God is trying to override earth with heaven. Oh, praise God. I'm going to have to cut short a lot of these. I got so many pages of notes up here. I got a whole, we don't have time. <laughs> We're alive in God. We're more than conquerors. We have eternal life. We have all of these things. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. Now, listen to me. You've got to go from the revelation of who you are to the revelation of four. Who you are to four. What were you created for? The only way that you can discover that is going to the Creator. 
people are struggling today. Why am I in this world? Why am I on earth? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to be doing? I, mean, I need to find myself. You'll find yourself in the Creator. He can tell you what you're created for. And I can tell you this through the Scripture, and just cut it to the chase, is you're not created to lose. You're not created to falter. You were not created to fail. You were created for purpose. And by design, God has a plan for your life. You matter. You count. You make a difference. You mean something. That's God's plan for you. Amen? He doesn't intend for you to fail. Praise God. And through the Word of God, is, and when, you, when you look at faith, it's rooted and founded in God's Word. And He reveals to us who we are and what we're, our purpose is. Let's go to virtue. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to cut this short. I have to cut it so short. And what you're going to do is you're going to have to dig things out. You're going to have to study for yourself, right? Like, you know, Pastor Austin can take an hour on each one of these eight steps and expound on all of them. But we don't have time for that, right? So faith. Let me talk about virtue real quick. <laughs> what? What? He could. <laughs> Let me give you a definition of virtue. The quality of doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. A person has virtue if they are fair, honest, responsible, and beneficent, doing or producing good. The second definition is, is conformity of one's life and conduct to moral or ethical principles. Uprightness. So listen, after you believe God, when you start believing God, after that comes choices. What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to live my life? There are choices to be made in your life after you accepted Jesus, right? And when you build this foundation of faith, then it gives you a guideline of what choices to make. It's like these kids that graduate from high school. Suddenly, all of a sudden, they don't go to class anymore. So what am I going to do in my life? Have you ever felt that way? What am I going to do? What, how am I going to live? Listen, I, I'm sorry. I got to share this story with you that I, I, I only, how many of you give me just five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. We got all the time tonight, man. We got three hours right there. <laughs> we had this couple that came to our church. She got filled with the Holy Ghost, went to a, a crusade in Fort Worth, got filled with the Holy Ghost, came home. And then uh, through a, a, a bit of events and things happened, well, he did too. Had to go pull him down to Haiti to get the Haitian Holy Ghost, but he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they had been going and doing, he had a country and western store, uh, custom hats and boots, and, and they, they rodeoed, they did all these things, and then when they got saved, they didn't know what to do with themselves. What are we going to do? The boots scootin's out, they didn't want to go all the drinking and partying and carrying on. It's, it's like, what do we do now? <laughs> well, what we do now, they show up at the pastor's house every night. That ain't good. <laughs> but you, it's just, I don't even know where I'm going with this, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> But there's decisions to be made. And when I read this definition of conformity of one's life and conduct to moral or ethical principles, to me, that's actions involved. It's not just virtues. It's virtue, being virtuous, making decisions with action. You know, brevity is a virtue, but that's not what you're implementing. You know what I'm saying? It's like action word. It's, it's, it, and listen, if... If choices, choices lead to actions, and the outcome of these actions can cause you to fall. That's why you got to know how to, what, 
decisions to make, what choices to make, and they've got to be founded on the Word of God. How many of you ask God what He thinks before you make a decision? We should be praying more like that. Well, Lord, what do you think? What do I need to do here? Pray about it. Guide me in wisdom. Holy Spirit, guide me. I want to commune with you. Give me the right answers. Let me, you know what I'm saying? So that I can make the right choices. Because if you're still thinking in the world, you're going to make the wrong choices. Just like he said, I got you out of Egypt, but I got to get Egypt out of you. So I got to get the word of God inside of you so that you can make the right choices, which will start getting you to a place where you'll never fall. Oh, praise God. Right choices based on your faith. Go to Micah, the sixth chapter. Praise God. Micah 6, verse 6 through 8. Where, and, and listen, this is so funny because this passage of Scripture, you, you see people that come into the kingdom and they think they got it figured out how they're going to get on God's good side. Right? They, they know how they're going to get on God's good side. When I start coming to church, I'm starting to start acting this way or acting that way. Follow? Um, it, it, there's nobody in here wearing a tie tonight. Pastor is not wearing a tie either. So I'm going to wear a tie and that'll, that'll impress God. Now, I got a lot of ties. I got over 50 ties, so I'm not, you know, I have them. People, they think that by their actions or what they might do or not do, they're going to win favor with God. And, and there's things that they need to do. And so they start saying, God, how do I act? What do I do? They don't know God's love and forgiveness at this point, not to the extent that they need to. In Micah 6 chapter, he said, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? How many people don't realize that when God said, I forgive you, I really do forgive you? You don't have to give up all this stuff. You don't have to do all, right? He said in verse 8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require thee, to do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. How do I present myself before God? I just got to have a right heart attitude. He'll clean up all that other stuff, right? I need to make choices just to walk out according to the word of God. Success is built on making the right choices, whether it's in marriage or your job or anything. And listen, here's the thing. You don't have to know everything about God to make life-changing decisions. You just got to start making them according to what you know, the level that you know, what you're learning, what you're changing, what you're building, your foundation you're putting down. Start making life-changing decisions. Amen? Praise God. Virtue has to do something with attitude, and that leads you all over to the next level of knowledge. And I'm just going to real quick touch on this. And is anybody getting anything out of this? I feel like, okay. Um, I appreciate that. that. Some of that's a clap of faith, I understand. <laughs> you, you, when you have virtue, you've got the quality of doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. And then the next level is knowledge. And, and the cool thing about this, this, it's not just talking about memorizing knowledge. It's much more than memory uh, verses and that sort of thing. It's a revelation knowledge. Kathy, when she was a young girl raised in the Baptist church, 
Now, she's told me this, so none of you be offended, okay? Oh, you good Baptists out there. Y'all not going to get offended tonight, right? Oh, that was scary. <laughs> okay. One of the things that the Baptists, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't do certain things, but they did do other things. You know, they, they didn't do a lot of the different things that I won't even tell you that you probably might be doing now, so I don't want to condemn you. But one of the things that they said thought was all right was the gossip. Come on. It's okay. And then some of the deacons smoke like a train, man. It's like deacon break. Some of you know that. Okay. But in her little church, not y'all's. Y'all had that really good church. But the ladies would gossip. It's just a thing they did. And so Kathy was a young girl coming up thinking, well, that's what you do. Until she started reading the scripture. Whoa. Found out it's a sin. It became revelation to her. Hey, this is not of God. And she refused to do it. She refused to do it from that. It was a revelation. She had made choices to walk with God and hear God and study God's word and realize, hey, gospel's a sin. That may not be the best example, but it's one of those where you make a decision. It's a life-changing decision. Do you realize how interlinked those things are to this revelation knowledge and but making the right decisions to do the right thing are linked together? How are, how are you ever going to get revelation knowledge from God if you're not even making the right decision? Say, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do my best to follow God. I'm going to make some life-changing decisions. I'm going to follow God. Are you all with me? How these things all link together, these steps link together from faith and establishing the foundation to making right choices on the Word of God that you're growing in to revelation of God because there's so much more to know that you hadn't even scratched the surface. Revelation of God, there's so much more out there. And then that revelation, that, that knowledge is linked to self, self-control. I shared with you that example last week, how, how one connects with the other and causes you to develop self-control. And so how many of you weren't here last, last week? You were not here. Okay, ask the guys around you. They can tell you that example because I don't have time to tell you tonight, okay? <clears throat> but, you know, but here's, here's the thing. Even the world understands some of the principles of the Word of God. Even the world understands to a certain extent about consequences. The revelation that if you do this, there are certain consequences that come with that, so I'm not going to do that. It can even in the natural realm develop a certain level of self-control when you taste the consequences. I'm not going to put my hand on that hot stove because it will burn. I have self-control. I'm going to check it out every time. My dad told me when I started working in the oil field, he said, son, you be careful of what you say out there in the oil field because it takes a thousand words to make up for one bad word spoken. In other words, you'll reap what you sow. The principle is God's word. But see, I want to go beyond that. I want, the revela- I want the revelation of God's word working in my life. So these principles work even to a certain st- extent in the world's eyes. Amen? Amen? Well, okay. I am out of time. Temperance. <laughs> Temperance. Moderation and action. I'll give you a couple of definitions. I'm going to close. Moderation and action, thought or feeling, self-restraint. Habitual moderation in the indulgence of the appetites or passions. Moderation in or abstinence from the use of intoxicating substances. We simply say it's self-control in Texas, right? And then when you have self-control and start putting that into place, it develops the next level of patience. And how can you have patience if you have no self-control? And there are certain levels of maturity and experience and patience you can't experience anywhere else. Let me just give you the definition of patience, and we'll pick it up next week. The definition of patience. Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. 
How many of you ever demonstrated patience calmly? Well, I just got to wait on it. I just got to wait on it. We can't open our gifts this morning because it ain't 8 o'clock yet. It's Christmas morning, but I got to... Oh, y'all didn't act like that, did you? When you were kids. Patience, calmly or without complaint. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. Not hastily or impetuous. Steadfast, despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. There's more to patience than having just waiting time. Oh, my word. Come on, baby. Come on. I'm having so much patience. Come on. We got to go. Come on. We got to go. Okay, I'm done. That's it. That's why it sounded going over so good. Okay. (laughs) 